welcome to episode 239 of the Veg Grower Podcast. My name's Richard and I like to grow food in my allotment and garden. Today is the 7th of October 2019 and coming up a bit later on I shall be sharing with you all how I like to store my homegrown food. But firstly we have the diary where I share with you what I've been up to over this last week. Well, today is Saturday, October the 5th, 2019, and I have spent the day on the allotment. Yes, it's Saturday. Usually I come down on a Sunday, but the weather forecast says the weather is going to be good on Saturday and pawned on a Sunday. So I decided I'll come down today instead. Now, when I first came down, the first job I tackled is something I haven't done for a while, and that was run round with a strimmer, strimming between the beds, the paths, and what have you. That took quite a while, and it needed doing. And as always, I always think it just really tidies the place up, just doing a simple run round with a strimmer, uh, just getting into those edges and trimming that grass back. Now, that was the first job. After that, I decided to harvest all my potatoes that were still in the ground. There was a couple of rows still left and these were sort of Maris Piper, Sarpo Myra, King Edward and one variety that I can't remember the name of but it was the first year I've actually grown them. Overall this is the first year I've grown the potatoes in the ground and overall I'm quite impressed with them. It had a good amount, it's all of a good size and didn't need much water in the way of watering that they're normal uh, compared to when I pot them in buckets like I've done in the past. So I think in coming years I will be repeating to grow them in the ground because it's just a little bit easier for me. Now the, the variety I forget the name of, I, I'll have to go back through my notes and find out what they were. Now I only had three of the seed potatoes when I planted them and they have performed better than anything. Good lot of potatoes, a huge amount. I haven't eaten them yet but I'll test them out and tell you what I think of the flavour. They're meant to be one of the best tasting flavours around, I know that much. Anyway, for white potatoes out, I put them into my plastic mushroom trays, gave them a, a rinse over with some water and then placed them in the greenhouse to dry out and harden for the next week. All except a Maris Piper because I will be taking those home and be turning them all into chips tonight to go in the freezer. Maris Piper being the chip shop preferred potatoes. Now after that job I then went down to my garlic bed and I pulled out any of the cooch grass roots that I could find. That took a while but it wasn't too bad and then I planted out all my garlic. This was elephant garlic, very early purple white, early purple white, germador and bohemian white. Only the four varieties of garlic plus the elephant garlic this year and that's taken up the entire bed so I'm quite happy with that decent amount of size to plant them now the elephant garlic I gave them a bit more space I gave them about a foot in between each bulb and I just popped them into the ground into a hole dibbed in the ground so they were below the soil level popped them in and covered them over now the the garlic the proper garlic I've done those at about 12 centimeters apart fairly easy just again dipped a hole dropped them in covered them over now i marked where each variety is with labels as always and i've used canes just to separate the different varieties so i know when they grow what i've got where just something i like to do to keep on track of everything 
After planting, I then gave them a bit of a dusting with some garlic fertiliser and then gave them a good watering in. Not that they're going to need much watering at the moment because we've got a lot of rain coming. But because I had just planted them, I think it's always good to do it when planting. Especially after adding some of the garlic fertiliser. Then my next task I tackled, I was going to plant out my onions. But I started pulling out roots from what the bed that is going to be the onions. And I pulled out a huge amount of couch grass roots again. This bed has been a bit of a difficult one to keep the couch grass under control this year. So I, I pulled out all the roots that I could find and I sort of forked gently to pull them out. I've kind of said I've given up on the no dig but I haven't given up completely but just for this I am just sort of digging over to get these cooch grass roots out and there was a lot of them and I mean a lot of them so I've pulled all those out and we'll um, kill those off before they go into the compost heap. Because there were so many and actually I, by the end of it I was getting a bit bored and a bit sort of not doing quite as good job so I decided I'm not going to plant my onions this week I'm going to come down again next week give them another forking over and just check there's no more roots and then plant my onions now after that all my weeds that I have collected so I have been doing a bit of weeding particularly in the strawberry bed all those weeds that I've collected I have placed on the grass ran over with a lawnmower now my lawnmower the throttle cable has now snapped it was a bit of a bugger to try and get it going but in the end when I found out the throttle cable had snapped I realised that if I stuck a screwdriver in the throttle junction, I could use it like that. Now, that's probably not the most safest. My lawnmower does have a, another lever that you hold onto to get the lawnmower running. And if you let go, the lawnmower stops. It's like a kill switch. Um, I think they call it a dead man switch, isn't it? That's it. Because of that, it's kind of safe to do this sort of thing with i've had throttle cables snap on many things in the past including motorbikes and it's never fun when that happens but there's always i, I think a way around it and uh, that's what i did in order to get this now i'll order a new throttle cable tonight and that should turn up over this next week and i can fit that pretty soon so with all the, the weeds and the lawns trimmed and looking tidier it's well it's still quite dry so i thought you know what i'm going to make most of this weather today and i started carting over more of the manure that we have supplied on the allotment now i've paid for this a few weeks ago so i can use it that is delivered on site but the stuff that is delivered on site isn't the most well rotted stuff i used to be able to get some really well rotted material some really well rotted horse manure and although it was difficult bringing it in and everything by the time i had done that i could plant straight into it the stuff that we have delivered here is not well rotted at all it's still got bits of straw and sawdust in the, the compost or the manure now that will rot down over time but all i'm doing is i'm spreading it over the beds to act as like a mulch and suppress any weeds that may come through retain moisture and basically put the bed away for winter now i try and grow stuff over the winter of course and i and if i do need more space i can always pull back this mulch and plant into the soil below but while the beds are empty, and I've been pouring this mainly over where the potatoes were, while they're empty, I'm just using it. And also, the straw involved in it is actually acting like a fairly good weed suppressant and mulch anyway. So, I'm really liking it. And also, I just think it looks a lot tidier using this stuff anyway. Now, of course, I will be top dressing this with another layer of compost once I've got to that point. But that's going to be a bit later on in this year. Well that's it today, as I said I've been down here most of the day, I spent six hours down here today so quite a while. Things are looking like uh, things are dying back and autumn is certainly here. I'm just looking at my Jerusalem artichokes at the moment and they are in flower. They've got these rather small yellow flowers, a bit like sunflowers, small sunflowers I guess. 
on top of them, but there's a lot of them, and I quite like them. They're quite decorative, I think. Anyway, they'll, they'll be even better when they are ready for eating, of course. We've still got tomatoes as well. They're starting to die back, I think, and it won't be long until they all have to come out anyway, go into the compost. So that's it for today. As I say, we got tomorrow I'll be at home and I'm going to do some stuff in the shed if it's miserable. But for now, let's crack on. That's better. Well, today is Sunday the 6th of October 2019 and I am just in my little potting shed. I am going to sow some seeds. Uh, these are going to be my overwintering broad beans, Super Aquados Claudia, and my overwintering peas, Meteor. For this, I am just using two of my root trainers filled with multi-purpose compost and just dipping one seed in each root trainer, I guess is the way to call it. So while I do that, I'll let you know what I've been up to today. Well, they said it was going to rain today, and really it didn't rain all that much. We did have a little bit, but it wasn't as much as was forecasted. It was more like the odd shower where I would run inside to get out. But the first thing I did this morning was with the water butt in the greenhouse. You may remember that last week I spoke of the fact that I uh, straightened up the stand in there, levelled that. Well, I decided it was time to fill that up with water again. So I pumped some water from my outdoor water butts into there. Now, I've been experimenting a lot with water butt pumps lately, and I've got one that I really like now. Now, I've got several, um, but this one is a hose lock one. I don't think they make this particular one anymore, but it does produce a decent amount of pressure. You may recall a couple of weeks ago, I said I brought one, um, but I had to return it because it didn't work. Well, the replacement one does work, and it's brilliant. It produces enough water now, or enough water pressure, that I could use a hose pipe and a gun on a hose pipe to really soak the ground and what have you. I haven't tested it with a sprinkler as of yet, but I think it'll work on a sprinkler. It's certainly got a lot of pressure there. It's still not enough pressure to run the veggie pod, but the pressure is there. Anyway, so yes, I pumped some water into the water butt inside my greenhouse. The reason I do that is... As I said last week, the sun will warm that water up during the day and then come the night time, that will, will retain some of the heat and just slowly release that into the area of the greenhouse and keep that greenhouse just a little bit warmer than outside. Not a huge amount of difference, but it's something that I find works. It's all about thermal dynamics, something that I know a lot of but probably can't explain very well on a podcast. Anyway, after that, I then decided, with the chickens out in the vegetable patch, Christ, the wind's starting to rain now, uh, the chickens are out in the vegetable patch, the three beds that I have then, one I've already put some compost in and sowed rye glass, which is germinating. I've left the top on that to keep the chickens off it for the time being, but I've, the other two, basically, the plants in there had died back, as expected. So I emptied some more of my compost from my bins into those two beds. Now I didn't do anything difficult, I just threw it into a heaped pile and let the chickens basically go in there and claw at it and spread it around for me and they will find any seeds and bugs in there and use it for their own sort of thing. 
as well as spread it out quite nicely for me. I'll probably give that a week, I think next week, and then I might put some green manure in it, or I've got some brassicas that I might put in there. As long as I put a cage over, they should be okay. Keeping the chickens off the plants is quite difficult, I'm finding. In the past, my method of growing plants inside a pot in the ground was fine if it was plants that chickens didn't eat. But if it is plants they eat, it doesn't work. They need protection. So yeah, that's, that was the compost on the beds. And actually, apart from this seed sowing that I'm doing now, that's what I've been up to. Not a huge amount of work really, because it was raining I was expecting to be indoors a bit more. Now that's not the end of the world because there's plenty of things to do indoors anyway and it's getting to that time of year where I'm going to be out in this shed a bit more in the evening. But I've got to say, working in this shed at the moment, it's a bit cramped, it's full of junk. No matter how much I try and keep this place tidy, it seems to just get full of stuff. I don't know if I'm the only person that finds that with their shed, it just becomes like a, a dumping ground. I hate doing this as well, so I keep saying I'm going to be tidier, and I've got to do it. Well that's it for today, just a little update. Oh, while I remember, I spoke of the potatoes that performed really well yesterday. The variety was Anya. They have performed fantastically well. They've probably produced more potatoes than any other variety, which considering I only started with three seed potatoes, I think that's done really, really great. Yes, yeah, so that's it for today. So thank you very much. Before I share how I store my harvests, we of course have the tip of a week from the RHS Plant Grow Harvest Calendar. This week's tip is start moving tender plants into a greenhouse to protect them over the winter. Good tip there and I have actually been looking at my tender plants such as my banana trees and thinking about moving them into the greenhouse. Now with how much the temperature has dropped over this last week I probably should do that very soon. Now this week we also have the monthly tasks from the perennial calendar and this month that reads what to do in October. There's still harvesting to do during October with lots of veg that can be stored away over winter. As the trees lose their leaves and the summer flowers die back, it's a busy period in terms of keeping the garden tidy. Fruits and vegetables. There's a reason why pumpkins are the face of Halloween, as they are and other types of squash should be fully grown and in abundant supply in October. These will last for a good few months, especially if stored somewhere cool and dark. Flowers. As well as harvesting vegetables, it's also a good time to harvest flowers. Collect seeds from dried flower heads and store them in labelled packets already for next year. In the greenhouse. We prefer to be inside when it's warm, when winter approaches. And the same goes for our plants, especially tender ones. Make the inside of a greenhouse cosy with insulating bubble wrap and move plants inside, including aquatic ones. Trees and shrubs. Bare-rooted trees and shrubs are available now and are a much cheaper option than containerized plants, making them the perfect choice whenever large numbers are needed, such as for a new hedge or rose bed, for example. Wildlife. While taking seeds from dying plants, take just what you need for next year and leave the rest for the birds. They'll really appreciate the seeds now as they prepare for winter. Letting seeds form on teasels and thistles will attract finches, and you might spot jays scouting for places to bury their, their acorns. 
Yes, that's all good advice. Certainly a lot of focusing on preparing for winter because that's not far away. Well, that's got the calendars out of the way, so let's get on with how I store my produce. Well, I'm starting in an area we call our bakery. I guess the best way to describe this is a lean-to shed on the side of our house behind the garage. It's made of wood and it's quite airy, but it's quite cool and dark. The only window we have is on the door. Over that, we actually have a curtain, so it does stay fairly dark in here. It's quite a nice size, actually. We tend to use it not just for storing some of our produce, but also for storing some of our kitchen items that we don't use so much, like a pressure cooker and uh, spare frying pans and that sort of thing. My jam making pan sits in here. What I tend to store in here is a lot of the jams and chutneys that I make. Now, in most years, and this is the first year I haven't made many of them, I will have filled this place up with a lot of these sort of jams and chutneys. I love making jams and chutneys. I, I tend to give them away as Christmas presents, but they're so easy to make and they store some of that flavours and, and those foods that we're growing every year in such an easy way. Yes, it's a bit of work to make them, but they don't need refrigeration or anything to store. The height of this shed is quite high. We've got some, it's a pitched roof and it's got some beams that I've added hooks into these beams. Now from these hooks I tend to hang some of our herbs and that all dry quite nicely in here. These will th be things like rosemary and thyme and that will just make some really dried herbs that can also be stored ready for use throughout the winter months when they're not growing. Nice and simple and effective. The roof on this is quite high so I do have to get a stool to reach the top of that so it's not exactly the lowest thing which means when I'm walking through here to get to the garage uh, we don't bang our head against the herbs that are hanging on from the roof so it works nicely for us in that sense. Talking of going through into the garage now let's go through here and I'll talk about what we've got in here. Now in here it is a lot darker. I've got two freezers in here which are probably where I do most of my preserving of my fruits and um, well, a lot of my homegrown produce in the freezers. But before I get onto that, in here I've also got some shelves. We don't use this garage for motor vehicles. It's just a, um, a storeroom, I guess. Uh, it's a brick-built brick garage, part of the house. So it, again, it's a constant temperature in here, fairly cool. It's even darker than the bakery. Now in here I've got some shelves, and on these shelves I keep a load of mushroom crates. Now these plastic mushroom crates are brilliant. Restaurants get their mushrooms delivered in these crates, and they tend to just throw them out when they've popped the mushrooms away, which I think is really, really wasteful. But if I can grab them from a restaurant, I will. They're stackable, which I also think is brilliant. And in those, I tend to keep certain vegetables that don't really need refrigerated. These could be onions, shallots, uh, garlic. I've also got potatoes and apples in here. Most of these go in here, no real problems. I just pop them into a tray. Just a single level of the produce, not stacking a onion on top of another onion. 
If I need to stack another mushroom crate on top, I can do that, and that's fairly easy. In fact, the bottom crate of every pile is empty, uh, just to aid with ventilation. I'll just stack those in there. I'll have to check over them quite regularly, but they work brilliantly for that sort of thing. Onions and potatoes, I tend to have to kind of prepare beforehand, before they come in here, by potting them after harvesting. I will pot them in my greenhouse to kind of harden up, ready to make the storage easily. Apples, I give them a good wash and then they go in here. And again, they just need checking regularly. No real problems. It's kind of how they used to do it in the olden days. I, I, I've adapted it, obviously. But in the olden days, there was never any refrigeration. So this kind of worked. The only thing I do say is I have to check on them every couple of weeks just to make sure that there are none rotting or going soft. And if they are, I have to remove those straight away. Now, squashes, they can also be stored in this way. And I have them on the shelf again. Pumpkins, butternut squashes. Again, I wait until they're ripe enough and then cut them off the stalk, leaving as much of a stalk as possible. I'll leave them in the sun just to harden for a week in the greenhouse and then they'll come in here and they will be absolutely fine. Butternut squash I've actually managed to keep for a year in here with no problem at all. The squashes are really, really good at storing throughout the winter and that's why they are worth their weight in gold in growing. Now the freezers, because the bulk of my food does go into the freezers. It's a, a modern invention, I know, but they work and they are reliable, most of the time anyway. I do have three freezers, one in the kitchen, but two in here. And the two out here is where we probably keep the bulk of our stuff. Now, let's start with fruits. Most of the fruits can go straight in here without any blanching or anything. But what I'll do, I'll on the top shelf of my freezer, I keep that one empty, I will place fruits on a tray on that top shelf. The fruits will not be touching and the tray will not be covered or anything. That will go in there for 24 hours until the fruits are frozen. And then once they're frozen, I will pour them into a container. Takeaway containers are brilliant for this. Into that, and they will then go into the freezer in their container, which is labelled. Why do I freeze them on a tray before they go into the container? Well, that's very simple, really. What that means is that when they go in a container, or when you want to get them out of the container, they're not all frozen together. That's because they're already frozen separately before they've gone into the container. It's a very simple trick, but it, it, many people have not learned this trick and it works. Um, vegetables, I tend to blanch them before they go in. And blanching, I just um, basically pot a pan of boiling water on the go, pop my vegetables into the boiling water, and a few seconds, depending on what the vegetable is, generally not longer than a minute, and then I'll scoop out all the vegetables and pop them into a bowl of ice water, really cold water with ice in it, to cool the vegetables back down. And then I would repeat the method I use for freezing fruit. Peas, beans, sweet corn, that sort of thing works brilliantly for even chunks of pumpkin or stuff like that. But... The main thing that I tend to do with my vegetables is I will actually make them into something before they go into freezer. Now, 
tomatoes is probably the best example. I will make passata or pasta sauce as soon as I harvest the tomatoes. There's many, many recipes online. Again, I'll have to get more of these recipes on the website because they are so, so simple and effective at doing this sort of thing. They'll just go in the freezer. The takeaway containers hold about 500 uh, millilitres. So that is in usable portions. So when I want something out of there after it's been frozen, let's say I'm having a curry and I want some passata. I'll just pull one of those tins out, let it defrost, and there we go, we've got passata ready to go and make a curry. Now, bringing up the curries, this is the other thing I tend to do with a lot of my produce. I make meals, and curries is a good example. So let's say I'm doing a vegetable curry, so I've got the tomatoes to make the passata, I've got the spices to make the, the, um, the spicy flavour, and then I've got things like, I don't know, this, um, chickpeas and coconut or uh, cauliflower. I'm making it up out of the top of my head now. But you get the idea, just a simple vegetable curry. We'll cook that up. And I'm, generally when I do this, it's because I'm making a curry for us to eat that night. But what if we haven't eaten that night, or I'll make a big batch of it up, the rest of it will be frozen into those 500ml containers. And again, throughout those winter months or spring months, we have meals ready to go from our own produce. Very, very simple. And that is really how I store my own produce. Now I bring this up this week because I have had questions on how I managed to make my food last for so long. And really, I don't see it being very difficult. It's, it's simple. Admittedly, yes, my wife and I are the only two in this house. We have a fairly large house for the two of us, so we have the space to store these sort of things. But I heart back to the olden days when growing our own was just what everybody did and storing food was how we survived. I, If they could do it, we could do it. Okay, we don't need to do it so much because we can go to a supermarket, but I still feel there's an element that they could do it, we could do it. Now, if you have any other ways that you store food, then please let me know. Um, I'd love to get different ideas and different suggestions and share those about. Yes, if you have methods of storing your food, please let me know either at the veggrowpodcast.co.uk and search for this episode or email me richard at the veggrowpodcast.co.uk or through social media, just search for The Veg Grower Podcast. Now, thank you very much for listening. I'm going to wrap up for now. Please take care. I'll speak to you all again next time.